every gift, every talent, every resource, everything that we have, our time, everything belongs to God. I'm telling you, time is precious, and it belongs to God. I'm telling you, resources are precious, but they all belong to God. The talents that you have, they are precious, but they all belong to God. I'm telling you, everything belongs to God. turning your Bible today if we're going to continue our series. Uh, At the first of the year, we started this series. We do it every year. We call it the Pursuit Series. Pursuit this year is Pursuit 2022 because we believe and I believe that, you know, that we, that if we give God, and of course, I believe that we give God every day of every, of the year, every day of the year, but if we really pursue God the first part of the year, so we do what was called a 21-day fast. And we're all, I hope you're fasting. Now, that doesn't mean we're not eating. In fact, this is the first year that I've been doing this that I'm I'm not fasting any food. Thank God. I'm eating what I want and everything. But God has challenged me to fast a couple of other things in my life that are kind of taking up some of my time and some of my energy. And so I've been fasting those things. And it was really a challenge at first. It was really a challenge. And, of course, I'll tell you one of those things. I won't tell you the other one. But one of those things was the news. (laughs) I'm just telling I'm not telling you to do this. I'm telling you this is what God spoke to me about because I would go to bed at night. Well, I can't say I'd go to bed. I'd go to sleep on the couch at night, and my wife would wake me up, but I wouldn't know it. And um, so I'd end up a lot of times on the couch, and the news would be in the background. And, and so all night long, I would listen to the news subconsciously. And so the Lord spoke to me. He said, I don't want you to watch any news whatsoever. Don't watch any news for the next 21 days. And uh, boy, I tell you what, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to watch the news the rest of the year, to tell you the truth. But that was what God was speaking to me about. And of course, another thing in my life that God wanted me to fast. And so we're fasting this 21 days, pursuing, pursuing our relationship with God. Whether it's a meal or whether it's food or whatever it is that God has asked you to fast. We're pursuing for 21 days a fast where we're pursuing God. And so we've been talking about pursuit. And the first Sunday, we talked about pursuing the kingdom of God, where Jesus gave us an invitation, and Isaiah, God, gave us an invitation in Isaiah, the 50, uh, I believe it was the 55th or the 56th chapter, 55, Isaiah 55, gave us an invitation to pursue first or pursue the kingdom of God. He said, seek the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his right way of living and all of the things, all of the needs, all of the things that we often worry about will be taken care of. And so with that first Sunday, we talked about pursuing the kingdom of God first. Uh, Isaiah said it like this. God, God through Isaiah said it like this. Seek, uh, seek the Lord while he may be found. And you think, well, what do you mean by while he may be found? While you may have an opportunity. While you have a moment, while you have a chance, seek 
the Lord. So we're doing that. We're fasting these 21 days, seeking first God's kingdom. And then last week, we talked about something that God gives us every day. God gives us opportunities every day. Every day that we live, God gives us opportunities. It is just absolutely amazing. And God gives you opportunities at a very opportune moment. (laughs) When you least expect it or when you're not thinking about it, God will give you an opportunity to, to encourage, to evangelize. We talked about the three things, to evangelize, to empathize, and to empower to encourage, to speak life into someone. And and, and I tell you what, this week has just been an incredible week of opportunities. It really, for me, for me. And and, and I really believe that that God is saying, listen, pursue the opportunities that I give to you. You see, a lot of times God gives us opportunities and we miss them because we don't recognize them. We don't recognize them. And so we need to be looking at the opportunity God is going to give us to empathize, energize, and to evangelize. They said last week, make the most of every opportunity. And he gives us the reason because the days are evil. I wonder what good things God has planned for us in the year 2022. Now, I'm glad 20 and 21 is gone. I'm glad 20 and 20 is gone. But what great things has God got planned for you and I this coming year? So today I want us to go into the third part. Actually, today Zach was supposed to be preaching, our youth pastor, was supposed to be preaching on pursuing relationships. But because he is sick, and he said, what do you think? I said, stay home. (laughs) He said, what do you think? I said, yeah, stay home, you know. We don't want to make anybody else sick. You know, there's enough sickness going around, so stay home. And I'll do today, and then you do next week, and so we'll, we'll swap those ways around. So today, we're going to be looking at our pursuit series, and we're going to look at something, uh, what Jesus says about generosity, about generosity, pursuing generosity in our lives, pursuing generosity. generosity. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, and it should be up there on the board, Matthew, the 10th chapter, we find that, that Matthew says, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. And then Luke 6.38 says, give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. Will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I want to talk about this, this thought, this idea of generosity of giving. Now, when I talk about giving, I don't want you to focus just on, well, he's going to be talking about money today. Well, did you know that Jesus, in all of his stories and parables, that one-fourth of everything Jesus talked about had to do with money? Now, I only talk about it maybe one time a year. Jesus talked about it at least once a month. (laughs) But anyway, we won't go there. But so I don't want you to focus, well, Jesus is going to be talking about money. I want to be talking about generosity, the giving of our time, our talent, our resources, 
uh, 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 whatever, our gifting, whatever it is, what if we become generous in our lives in giving what God has given to us? Now, some don't have a lot of finances, but they may have a lot of talent. Some may not have a lot of talent, but they may have a lot of time. Some may not have a lot of time, but they have a lot of finances. And so you see, don't focus just on one thing. There are some things I'm going to be sharing. But I want us to understand God wants you and I to become a generous people. And there's some reasons. There's some reasons that God wants us to be giving. And so we're going to look at that. There is a great misunderstanding that is sometimes a, a, a paradox. It's puzzling, so to speak. It is the mistaken belief that in order to have more, we got to hold on tightly to it. In order to have more, I need to hold on and not let it go. For example, if we're going to have more money, if we're going to have more money, we must keep more and hold on to it tightly. Now, I mean, people believe that. I used to believe that. Hold more, save more, save. Now, I am for saving. The Bible teaches about saving. Did you know that? The Bible teaches a principle of not spending everything you make. Don't consume everything you make. There's a biblical principle about saving for a rainy day. It's a a biblical principle. So I believe in saving. However, uh, uh, when you have a tight-fisted hand and you're holding on, nothing gets out, but nothing gets in. You see, I can't catch anything. I can't can't, uh, let anything come in when I've got my fist tight tightly fisted. I can't receive what God wants to give. An open hand represents an open spirit. And when we have an open spirit, some of the money in our hands will get away. But when we have a closed hand, nothing can get in. For anything to get in, you and I must have an open hand or an open spirit. Now, follow me. There are men who gain from their wealth only the fear of losing it. Have you ever met someone like that? Have you ever been around a person that the more they received, the more paranoid they were about losing what they had? And so they begin to hold it tight. I've seen this even in churches. Oh, in fact, I remember one time this man, God, God, told, God told this man, well, he told the pastor, he told the pastor that God had put him in the church to control or to handle or to watch over the money. And he wasn't about to let it go. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, that ain't God because the God I serve is a giving person. It's a giving God. He's a giving God. So, you know, I'm thinking, no, you, God didn't do that. God didn't send you here to control or handle the money so we wouldn't spend it. Now, that wasn't here at this church, okay? That was not here. That was not one of someone talking to me. That was someone else. The reason they're holding it so tightly is because they believed it was their only security. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus wants to be your security this morning. 
He wants to be what you, your security. You see, when God created us, he created us, he gave us the responsibility of being asset managers. Now, this is going to be a teaching thing, but I, I, follow me. He gave us a responsibility of being his asset manager. In Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, to work it, to work it and take care of it. So right there, I find from the beginning that God had planned for you and I to work. Boy, you're quiet to take care of it. But in Psalms 24 and 1, he said, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. You see, there is a principle that we need to understand that everything belongs to God. Every gift, every talent, every resource, everything that we have, our time, everything belongs to God. I'm telling you, time is precious and it belongs to God. I'm telling you, resources are precious, but they all belong to God. The talents that you have, they are precious, but they all belong to God. I'm telling you, everything belongs to God. You and I don't own anything. Now, you may have your name on the deed of your house or the deed of your car. Mine's got a deed on it. I mean, not my house. I finally got it paid for, thank God. But on the automobile, it's got this thing, lean, lean. How do you say it? Lean. Uh, Lean. In other words, you really don't own this. The bank owns it. You're just being a good manager of it until you get it paid off. Well, see, God has given us the responsibility of being an asset manager. And we are simply to manage all that he has put into our possession. God owns it all. We're managers and stewards. And so we must not get confused about who we are. We are asset managers and not owners. When you and I get confused about who owns what in our lives, then we make mistakes about how to handle what really belongs to God. We simply manage what God has blessed or given us. I'm telling you. I I look at Derek and and, and Travis and, and Morgan and these I mean, gifted singers, there's others that are not here this morning, but I look at them, Seth, I look at them and I'm thinking, oh, that I could play like that. I mean, I can't even clap three times and I'm off beat, but they have such, I mean, just talent, just giftedness and talented. And God says, I've given that to them, not for their possession, but for them to steward, to glorify my name. That's something to think about. Everything that we have is a gift from God we don't own. God owns them. We are simply to be good managers or stewards of what God has given us. And once we understand that we are not owners, but that all belongs to God, do you know it's easier to give away what's not your own? I think it's real easy to give away what's not your own. I don't mind. I don't mind. I'm telling you what. I don't mind giving your stuff away. I'll be glad to give it away. 
let me give you a good example. Yesterday, someone gave me a sealed envelope, a sealed envelope. I don't know what was in the envelope or how much was in the envelope. I know it was money, but I don't know how much it was. But gave me a sealed envelope to give to someone as a blessing. They wanted to bless that family, wanted to bless that person. And they gave me the sealed envelope. And so I, uh, and this is what they said. We have, we prayed over it. We've anointed it. And we want you to give it to them that God will bless them whatever the need is in their life. Well, they gave me the envelope. I stuck it in my pocket. And I met with the family. And I pulled it out of my pocket and I gave it to them. Did you know it wasn't any problem for me to give it to them? It wasn't any problem. It wasn't mine. It, it, I mean, it wasn't in my possession, but maybe 24 hours. It just wasn't mine. There was no emotion to it. There was, I wasn't emotionally attached to it. I, there was nothing to it. I mean, I just gave it to them. And I told them, I said, I don't know what's in it. It's a sealed envelope. I, I, and I don't care what's in it. It's none of my business. But I want you to know we're going to pray over it, and we're going to pray a blessing on you. It was no problem for me to give it away because it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. It was amazing. This week we went, we went to eat more than once, but we went to eat this weekend. And the Lord moved upon Kim to give this lady a tip. And she pulled it out and I saw it. And she usually doesn't do this. Now, I'm telling you, this is a God moment. This is a God thing. This is a God thing. She, she pulled it out, and I saw what it was, and she looked at me. She says, I'll take care of the tip. Now, she doesn't hardly ever do that, okay? Just, just saying. She said, God, I, I, I said, God told me to do this. And I said, okay. I didn't say nothing. I did see what it, she pulled out, and I thought, wow. Okay. I, of course, I didn't try. I, but my, my point is, I didn't have a problem her getting that out at all. I didn't have that. I didn't have one problem, even if I didn't have any problem, because it wasn't mine. It was hers. You see, what I want us to understand: we have no problem giving away that which is not ours. But have you ever noticed if if someone gives you something and you hold on to it for a period of time, you all of a sudden you become emotionally attached to it. And it becomes a little harder to give it away. I'm giving this for you for a season, and you hold it for that season. And then when that season's up, you kind of, well, I hate to give it back. I, I, I hate to give it to someone else. You kind of, what happens, you get emotionally attached to whatever you begin to steward or whatever you begin to have in your possession. It's easy to give away what's not yours. I mean, it's amazing. Miss Vicky will come in and she'll 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 make the deposits and she'll write checks. You know, I never complained once. Not one time has she ever complained about writing a check out of the checking account. Not once. Not one time because it's not her money. She never complains. But I guarantee if I were to say, hey, Vicki, would you write a check out of your account? I might have a little hesitation. <laughs> I know I would. I'm being real. I'm being real. 
We have no problem giving away that which is not ours. Now, at church, when we hear the term steward or, or steward or stewardship, we usually begin to think of offering and tithes and a building program and, uh, and all of that stuff. But the word steward is an old English term that simply means to manage another's financial affairs. So then, why does God tell us to give? Is it that God needs our resources? Is it that God really needs my talent? Is it that God really needs my time? Is it God, what is it? Why does God tell me to give? Does God really need those things? I mean, really, does God need your money? Does God really need your time? No. God owns it all. He can take it anytime he wants to take it. He owns it all. He doesn't need anything that he's put in my possession. When God desire, what God desires is a relationship with his children who are walking in love, in a trust relationship, in understanding, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the natural byproduct of, of each person, of, of such a person, is generosity. God wants us to have such a relationship of love and of trust and of understanding that we become generous as he was generous. Because we find that in John, the third chapter, verse 16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is a giver. God is a giver. You and I were made in the very image of God. So therefore, God wants you and I to be givers because he's a giver. Now, I tell you what, I get excited about this. My God has given me the gift of salvation. He's giving me the gift of eternal life. He's giving me the gift of his son. He's giving me the gift of so many things. God is a giver. And he created me and you to be like him. We were created in his image. But unfortunately, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden, sin nature made us a little self-centered and selfish. So when we go through the act of giving, it changes us. And portrays us to be a little more like Jesus. You see, you cannot say that you're Christ-like without giving. The more we give, the less we think about ourselves, and the more we become like the person of Christ. Giving portrays us more Christ-like. It moves us to become more Christ-like, less selfish, and less selfish people, hear me, less selfish people have more tendency to prosper and have quality relationships. Notice what Proverbs says. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. 
The more you give, the more you release, the more joy you begin to experience in your own personal life. So God wants us to give because he gave. And he wants us to be like him. He wants us to be giver and not takers. He wants us to be giver and not so much as a receiver. Now, God wants us to receive blessings, and we should receive it in the right spirit, in the right way. But God wants us to receive the blessing and give it away. Now, follow me. There's some principles here that God talks about. Another reason God asks you to give is because it is a reminder of worship. It reminds us of who owns it all. You see, when we give, we are saying things like this. I like things. Who likes things in here? Oh, yeah. If it blings, my wife likes it. If it's shiny, she likes it. If it's clothes, she likes it. If it's a pocketbook, she likes it. If it's shoes, she likes it. If it's Randy, if it's a tool, I like it. It don't have to be shiny. I just want it to work well. You get what you pay for. You know, we all like things. There's nothing wrong with liking things. God doesn't, God doesn't say, oh, it's bad that you like things. God doesn't care about what things you like. We all like things. But when we give, we understand. We're saying we like things, but we understand that God owns it all. We understand that God owns it all. And so it's not really mine. He's, he's allowed me to have it in my possession. He's allowed me to be a good steward, to, uh, to be an asset manager. But really, it's not mine at all. It really belongs to God. And so when I give, it's an act of worship. It's an act of my worship to God. I'm saying to God, Lord, I love you, and I know that you own everything. And so what I have, you've given to me. I'm just going to give it back to you. Because it's yours anyway. It's an act of worship. I love what Paul said in Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 2. In fact, I, I didn't write this down, but let me go there right quick. Romans, uh, Romans 2, or 12 and 2, I'm sorry. Romans 12 and 2, and I love this. He, he tells us, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't be like the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't think like the world. Think like Christ. Think the way God wants you to think. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, if you go up before that, he tells us, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Offer everything you have back to God. It's an act of worship. So when you give, it's an act of your worship to God. Lord, I recognize you're Lord. You own it all. And God, you've given me this, and I'm giving it back to you as a sign or as an act of my worship. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. But there's another thing that's important to understand. When you give, it is spiritual warfare. Did you know that? 
When you give, it is spiritual warfare. In fact, Malachi says this in Malachi 3.11. I will prevent. Now listen, this is God speaking. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not cast their, will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Did you know God fights for you when you give and rebukes the devourer? It's amazing. It's a, and I'm telling you, it's a principle that works. It doesn't make sense, but it works. When you and I become givers, God rebukes the devourer. You know what that says? When you give, you're always going to have enough. When you give, you're always going to have enough. I've discovered something. And I've said this time after time after time after time. I can look at people and I can tell you who are givers and who are not. Because givers always have enough. They do. They always have enough. Those that don't give, as outlined by Scripture, we'll talk about that. Those that don't give as, or, 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 as outlined by God, they always seem to struggle. Why is that? Because God says, I'm, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. It's amazing in my own personal life that when I gave, God always gave back what I needed. I remember years and years and years ago, we, we, me and my wife had just gotten married. We were in our first month of marriage, first month. We had been married. We got married in August. This was in September, I believe it was. And our local church that we attended had a need. We attended a small local church, and it had a need. And, and so the pastor got up, and uh, they, they said, listen, we, we, we need to raise a little money because, you know, we got, we got a special need in this church that we need to take care of. So we need to raise a, a little bit of money. Well, uh, my wife, you see how it's easy to give somebody else's stuff away? Uh, well, anyway, let me tell you, I didn't, I didn't give her stuff away. The Spirit of the Lord, now, now listen, we were newlyweds. We were newlyweds. So, you know, we, we, anyway, we, we, were, we were making ends meet month to month. We weren't robbing from Paul and paying Peter, but we were making ends meet. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he said, Randy, I want you to give X amount of money. Well, X amount of money at that time was $200. $200 to us was a lot of money. Lots of money. Today, it may not be a lot of money, but today it was lots of money. And I'm saying, God, you know that we just moved into this place and it has no stove and we need to buy a stove. And I was going to take this money to buy a stove so we could eat. And God said, just give the money. Just give it. So I looked over at my wife and I said, I'm giving to $200 because God told me to give it. She said, okay. And what her money, I guess. I don't know. why. It's our money together, so I don't know. But she said, okay. You know, so I wrote a check and gave it. So what are we going to do to fix supper on? We have no stove. The next day, she goes into work. She goes into work, not me. She goes into work, and her boss gives her a $200 bonus. She just started. She just started to work. I mean, she, we'd only been married a month. She just started to work, and her boss gives her a $200 bonus. And the same day, we found a stove for $175. You see, we were able to pay, 
tithe, $20, and we had $5 left over, and we still had a new stove. All I'm saying is that God rebukes the devourer when you have a spirit of giving. What if we begin to pursue that? Well, let's go a little bit further right quick. Let's look at God's work, God's word or instructions for giving. Now, I know I'm using a lot about finances, okay, because that we can relate to that. But I want us to relate this not just with our finances, but our time, our gifts, whatever it is that we have that God has given to us. God's word instructs us to give a tenth of our increase. Now, this is not the law. Hear me. This is not the law. This was pre-law. That is, before Moses ever was given the law, this principle of God came before the law. The tithe, the tenth. It is also seen, you'll find it in Genesis 14 and 28. It is also seen in the New Testament in Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus tells the Pharisees that they should, they should have been doing this all along without neglecting judgment and mercy and love, you know. You should have been doing this. God's word instructs us that we are to give the increase first. The tithe of her increase first. Notice first fruits. 22 times in Proverbs alone talks about first fruits. Proverbs was written to an agricultural based, uh, uh, an agriculture based culture. So when you're doing a harvest, you always give the first tenth of the harvest to the storehouse. The storehouse representing the, 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 the temple, the body of Christ, the church, you know, you can call it all kinds of different things, representing that. And the purpose of that, the purpose of that was to take care of ministry such as the orphans and the widows, even the, the single parent moms and so forth, that we are to take care of them because of what God has blessed you with. You need to understand this principle. It's a principle. It's a, it's a God principle. It's not a Randy principle. You give it first. That leaves the 90%. Now, you know, I thought about this. Well, how do I give my time? What if you give the first of your time to the Lord? What if you give some time to the Lord in serving? You see, there's a way of tithing your time. Tithing your, your talents and your gifts and, and whatever. There's a way to give. And, all, and he says, give it first so that you don't consume it. Because you could say what you want. We have the tendency to consume what we have. It's just natural. It's just our tendency. And so God says, give it first. It's your act of worship. You've given it to me first because you're saying, I trust you to take care of the 90%. I trust you to expand the 90%. I trust you that you're going to take care of all of my needs for the rest of the month or the pay period or whatever it is. I'm telling you, it's amazing what God does. I can't tell you about your life, but I can tell you about my life. Now, and I, please hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. If you, if you see that in me, you, you see the wrong picture of me. But I want to I I show you something that God did. I, I, I pay my tithe to the church every, well, anytime I get paid, I pay my tithe to the church. 
it, but any, any, any income that I receive from the church, I pay to state headquarters. That's the way it's designed up. To help fund the state, to, to help the churches, other churches, and, and anyway, we go on, and missionaries and stuff like that. So anything I get on, on my finances from the church, I give to the state uh, office, and then they disperse it, you know, as needed. And so, but anything that I work for, I give to the local church. Well, one month, I always pay my tithe on the very first of the month. Uh, whatever the first of the month is, I pay my tithe on to the state headquarters. Well, one month, I, I missed. I didn't even report. I didn't know. I thought I did. I really did. I thought I paid tithes. I thought I reported. And so the next month came, and I was looking for my report from the last month, and I couldn't find it. And then I went, well, let me see if I wrote a check. And I went, and I didn't write a check. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. I did not pay my tithe. And guess what? I spent it. I spent it. I thought I gave it. I spent it. And so that month came, and I thought, oh, God, I got to pay last month's tithe and this month's tithe. That means I got to pay double. Lord, I didn't count this in my budget. But you know what? I gave it first. And did you know we never missed a lick? We never missed a lick. Even though I had a smaller amount to play with the rest of the month, God provided. And, and what I'm wanting you to see is when you give it first, it's an act of worship. It's an act of trust. It's an act of obedience. You're believing. You're saying, God, I trust you that you're going to take care of everything else that I need for the month or the pay period or whatever it is. I believe that you're going to take care of it, and I'm just going to trust you, Lord. And the amazing thing is, God did. It was amazing. I thought, wow, we, we, that, was, that was good. Offerings are different than the tithe. Offerings are above tithe and are freely given from surplus. Now, hear me. After you take care of your family, after you take care of your family, then you give as the Lord directs you. After you take care of your family, you don't give. God is not going to ask you to, to take away from your family to give someone else. You are responsible for your family first. Hear me. God asks for the tithe. I'll, take, I'll multiply the 90%. You make sure that you take care of your family first. And then if there's any surplus, you may give it as you feel led or directed by the Holy Spirit. That's important. Your tithe is not an offering. Your tithe is the first 10%. An offering is surplus, something given over after you've taken care of your family. Now, this is important. Years ago, I was in a church, and I was pastoring, and this elderly, or this older guy, not elderly, but he was older guy, came to me, and he had become bitter at his parents because they would take money, and instead of taking care of their kids, they would give it away. And I said, that's wrong. You give your tithe, you take care of your family, 
and then you give surplus as the Lord directs you. Okay? That's a biblical principle. We need to understand that. Never give with a motive that you're going to get back. Don't give with a motive, I'm going to give so I can get. I give and I get, but I don't give so I can get. You see, Malachi 3 and 10 says this, we have the promise, the blessing, bring your full tithe into the temple treasury so there will be ample provision in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up the heaven, the windows of heaven itself to you and pour out a blessing beyond your wildest dreams. Blessings do not necessarily mean material things, though that could be included. Material things are not always a blessing. There are many blessings that are not tangible. The point is you can't lose by giving. I would rather, I would, I'm telling you, I would rather have a good relationship with my family and with you than all the money in the world. You see, that's something money can't buy. That's something that may not be tangible. I can't spend. But I would rather have good relationships. I would rather have the favor of God. I would rather have the, the blessings of God. I would rather have these things than all the money in the world. I would rather have joy unspeakable. I would rather have peace that passeth all understanding. Those are things that are not tangible, but they're gifts. They're blessings. They're the favor of God. And sometimes when you give, God gives back to you things that you would never, never imagine. So don't give with a motive, well, I give so I can get. You might give... And you get so you can give. A person who shows a person shows generosity by giving of their time to serve others. Isn't that what God showed us on earth through Jesus? How can I serve others? I know that you're busy. I know that you're busy. I know that I'm busy. We're all busy. We're living in a very busy society. But what if, what if we begin to tithe our time a little bit and say, I'm going to give my time to serve others, to serve in some capacity, whether it's children or youth or elderly or whatever it may be, I'm just going to give of my time. Thursday, I had Braxton. I don't know if Braxton's here, but I'm going to brag on him. I, I, I called, well, first of all, I had to brag on David, David Dixon. David, uh, he said, yeah, you need help with that sign out there. Like, Just call me. So I called him. I said, hey, we need to tear this sign down. Man, he was here. And, man, David, man, he, man, he, can, he can tear it up. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, he knew how to, man, we took care of that thing, loaded on truck. We hauled it off and got rid of it, you know, and it was gone. And we had a goalpost out there. It looked like a football goalpost out there, you know. And it sat there about two or three weeks. And, and Braxton said, hey, when you get ready to walk on the sign, give me a holler. I'll give you a hand. So I said, hey, man, you want to help me Thursday? He said, yeah. I said, what time do you get off? He said, I can get there about 3.30. Man, he got out here, and man, in two hours, we had the Everything framed in. And the guy was so gifted. 
so talented. But he took of his time to serve. And I appreciated, I appreciated that so much. And you have done that. I'm, not, I'm just picking these two just lightly. But you guys do that. But what if we become intentional this year that I'm going to be more conscious of being a giver? Whether it's of my resources, of my talent, of my gifts, of my time, whatever it is, I'm going to be intentional of pursuing generosity. What would change in your life? And more important, what would change in the lives of others? What would change? in the lives of others. That if you said, I'm going to give more time to my kids. I'm going to give more time to my grandkids. I'm going to give more time to serving those that can't help themselves. I'm going to give more of my time. What would it change in your life? And what would it change in others? I want to read, Derek, as you come in. I want to read a passage of Scripture that's found in Deuteronomy. And I want you to listen. And I know this is Old Testament. I know it's Old Testament. But I believe it's a principle that applies to you and I today as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus. And I want us just to, to read. And I'm going to read this kind of slow. Now, this is what God said, or Moses said, God said through Moses to the children of Israel, his chosen people. You are his chosen people today. You that have accepted Christ and asked him to come into your life. You that are following him and he's made life better and he's going to make you better at life. This is what he says. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God, The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. Now, I know he's talking to Israel, but it applies to us. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in, and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but will flee you from in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hands to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on earth, on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples, now get this, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and that you will fear and they will fear 
The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground. In the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn away from any of my commands today. I give you today. To the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. Now, I want you to think about the blessings that God wants to pour on his people because we become generous. We become like Jesus. That, Lord, I want to give what you've given. I'm telling you now, I want to be more generous this year than I've ever been in my life. However that may turn out, I want to be generous. Not so I can pat myself on the back and say, look what I did. In fact, you won't know what I did unless I use that as an illustration. I just want to become generous. I want this church, you, to become generous. I want us to become intentional. Why do I want that? Because that's what God wants for us. And God wants us to be more like him. Having a spirit of generosity. How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I be a blessing to you? It's not always about money. Sometimes it's about just words of encouragement. Sometimes it's just about serving in some capacity to that individual or that group of people. God wants us to be generous so people can see God in us. I've discovered something. There's a world out there that knows nothing about Jesus. There's a world out there that knows nothing about salvation. And they're never going to read the Bible. But they may see Jesus in you and me and ask, what makes you so generous? What makes you so, what makes you so loving? What makes you so giving? And then God opens a door of opportunity. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus who came from heaven. And he came to earth and he died on a cruel cross. He was buried in a tomb for three days, but on the third day he was resurrected. He ascended back to his Father in heaven, and he's making intercession for us according to the will of God. He's interceding for me and for you. And, and let me tell you about a man. And, and I'm telling you, ever since I met Jesus, he's made my life better. And he's made me better for life. What an opportunity. That may be the only Bible that person ever reads. God, don't let me miss it. Don't let me miss an opportunity to be generous. 
however you instruct me to in your word. Would you stand? I know this has been a little different this morning. It's kind of a teaching sermon. But I tell you, I believe. I believe when we pursue the kingdom of God first, our relationship with God. I believe when we pursue every opportunity that God gives us and not miss it. And I believe if we pursue a life of generosity, a life of giving, that God will open doors of opportunity and pour out you a blessing, pour out upon you a blessing that you can't contain. You have to give it away. You have to give it away. I, I love, I love it. I love when, when someone makes too much stuff. Oh, I made too much, so I got to give you some. Or I want to give you some. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, I love it when, when Kay makes too much of, uh, uh, of the catfish or, or, or the cornbread and, and, and says, hey, I, I made too much. I need to give you some. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Make more every day. Make more every day. Call me. Give it away. No. I love that. Others love it. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus. God, there may be someone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior. Oh, God, I want them to know today that you died on a cross for the salvation of their soul. You died so that they could have freedom from the power of sin and death. That they could be liberated from whatever's bound them, from whatever's controlled them. They could be set free by the power of you, Jesus. And so, Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you, I pray that you speak to their heart because you're a giving God. And, God, I pray for the rest of us, Lord. Oh, God, I want us to become more Christ-like. I want us to have a heart of generosity. I want us to have a spirit of giving, God. I want us to be obedient, God, in what you say and how to give and everything. But God, I want us to have such a generous spirit that the world looks at us and they say, oh, I want to know what makes them so generous, what makes them so loving, what makes them so kind. I want to know what makes a difference in their life so we can tell them about you, Jesus. So God, would you speak to our hearts today? God, would you help us to understand everything we have belongs to you anyway? And we're just managers. We're just to be a good steward. And God, would you help me? Would you help me to have a heart of thanksgiving? Would you help me to have a heart that just wants to be like you, to give like you gave? Help me. Help us all to become your people that become a giving people today, pursuing generosity in our lives. God, as we worship you in this song, God, I'm going to open up this altar, and I pray if there's one that you're speaking to today, and they want to come and they want to receive, maybe healing, maybe they have a special need, they want prayer over. God, whatever the need, I pray that you would touch our heart, that they would come. God will pray. Maybe they don't know you today. And today is a day that they can confess. That if they confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in their heart that you have raised him from the dead, God, they will be saved. And they can start on this wonderful road of salvation. God, I just pray your blessings. God, speak to our spirit today. We ask it in your name, Jesus. This altar is open. If you'd like to come and pray, I'd love to pray with you. It's Derek and Morgan on 
Let's sing it. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.